What's up, my friend? It is ADHD Powerful Possibilities, and I'm your friend, ADHD Coach Catherine. This month so far, we've been looking at negative emotions in terms of emotional dysregulation. We have looked at the impact of stress, both positive but mostly chronic negative stress. We've done some exploration of myths and the impact that these misinformation stories have on our well-being both mentally and physically and this week before we dive into the toolkit next week i want to take some time to think about positive emotion because so often when we talk about emotions we focus on the negative ones right we think about the pain the anxiety the worry the stress the loneliness all these really harmful and unhappy feelings that we have and i wanted to spend a little bit of time with you today just thinking about What happens when we focus on positive emotions? Certainly it is more clickbaity, more attractive in terms of numbers to talk about the pain, the problems. And if I talk about burnout and things like that, I generally get a lot more input from people than when I talk about strengths of ADHD. I just think it's really important that we acknowledge there are things that make a difference. And one of them is learning how to address our feelings, focus on the ones that actually make us feel good. I think positive in itself is slightly problematic because lots of people associate it with not acknowledging the difficult things at the same time as the good things. So I want to reassure you, all your vibes, all your feelings are welcome here. It's not good vibes only. You're allowed to experience challenges and also feel good about other things at the same time. When we think about positive emotions, are we thinking about feeling really good all the time? No, obviously not. We want to acknowledge that feeling better, feeling joy, feeling happiness, feeling connection, feeling excitement, all of these positive feelings that we might lump together under the banner of positive can be experienced temporarily and in short bursts. It's not humanly possible to feel really ecstatic and happy all the time. And it's maybe not even healthy. I think a sign of being psychologically well is to be able to experience the light and the shade, to feel up and feel down, but in a way that doesn't hinder your daily activities, your long-term vision and your goals. It doesn't impact on your relationships too much. And one of the reasons that I want to focus on it today is because we know that neuroplasticity occurs throughout our lifetime. You can learn new things no matter your age. There's no cutoff point where your brain stops changing. And the great thing is that what we think and how we think, as well as our daily habits and actions, can have a really big impact on the amount of change in our brain. And we'll come later to talk about the impact of things like mindfulness and how that has been shown to change the shape of your brain. Way, way back, we talked about dopamine and the reward pathway. And I mentioned the work of Dr. Norovkov, who spent a lot of time with her colleagues exploring how dopamine reward is experienced differently for people with ADHD. I will include a link in the show notes to the study so you can go and read it. I'll also include a video that includes her talking about her work. To sum it up, if you have ADHD, you are likely to need more positive input, more of a reward, more often to achieve the same reward, the same amount of dopamine. So that is one of the reasons why people with ADHD can occasionally end up in a trap 
of looking for dopamine through food, alcohol, gambling, all these exciting, quick hit reward things. And it's very common for that to be a problem. Don't feel any shame about it. It's just your brain. And when you know why you're doing it, it's easy, not easy, easier to change how you go about things. We know that dopamine is the we think of most often with ADHD. With ADHD, we often have a dysregulated dopamine pathway. It's harder for us to feel that good reward feeling, that satisfaction, the joy, the accomplishment. And because it's more difficult for us to experience that reward that we expect from doing the right thing, from finishing a job, from the day-to-day things that other people find enjoyable and rewarding, we need to focus more on those activities that produce the dopamine. It's an article I'm linking to from the Journal of Neuroscience, which highlights how experiencing positive, enjoyable emotions more often actually helps to regulate our attention and also our motivation towards these rewarding activities. So the more often we experience positive emotion, the more likely we are to regulate our dopamine and to take part in these activities that stimulate more dopamine. The week before we were talking about stress and how it becomes a vicious cycle where stress and cortisol and the impact of that on ADHD can produce more stress and we get stuck. The same is true when we focus more on positive emotions. When I say positive, I I don't mean happiness 24-7. So I'm just thinking about things that give you joy, satisfaction, pleasure, connection, that warm fuzzy that you might experience sometimes. Those things create more dopamine. The more we have them, the more likely we are to engage in activities that give us more dopamine. So it becomes this virtuous spiral up the way, if you like. The other thing that is changed or activated more by positive emotions and positive experiences is our prefrontal cortex. Our prefrontal cortex is the general home of executive functions, those things which are most impacted by ADHD, decision-making, focus, attention, impulse control. When we feel these positive emotions, this reward, that prefrontal cortex is stimulated and becomes more active. So it actually strengthens the neural pathways the more we focus on feeling good. Now we've looked at the physical impact of a positive emotion on your brain, on the physical chemical structure of your brain, which is frankly mind-blowing, right? What can you do about it? The first thing, of course, is going to be exercise. It's always exercise. Let's take that as a given. Exercise is good for your brain. It's good for your body. It's good for your heart. We're designed to move. So move in a way that you find enjoyable. You might want to find an activity that makes you smile. For me, that is usually being really silly and dancing to my favourite tunes at home. But you might want to look at something like group dancing or a group activity. Are there there exercise groups, rambling groups, are there classes that you can join in? If you have joint problems, are there move to music in swimming pool groups that you can join in where people are just happy to be silly and have fun? You might want to look for a positive psychology aspect. And this is something that I love bringing into coaching. Positive psychology is the understanding of our brains and how we think to focus on what we're good at, what's good for us, the strengths-based approach. A benefit 
positive psychology strategies is that it helps us to build our emotional intelligence. It improves our general life satisfaction and it can increase our resilience in times of stress. Remember, stress can be short term and it can sometimes be a positive thing as long as it's not ongoing. Positive psychology has some great benefits for people with ADHD when you look at all the things that it's going to improve. One of the things that you can do to improve your awareness of positive emotions is gratitude journaling. This is something that is used in positive psychology. It's as simple as noting down at the end of the day three things that you're grateful for, not going into great detail in them, but just focusing on them every single day. Focusing on them every single day allows you to gradually build up that gratitude muscle and that, yeah, actually some good stuff happened today because we tend to forget our memory and ADHD can be affected. Making it a point to practice that every single day can have a big impact, as can savouring. Now, savouring is exactly what it sounds like. You know when you're eating something absolutely delicious and you really take your time and enjoy every mouthful. When you're doing something that you really enjoy, that gives you satisfaction, that you're really good at, that's using your strengths, maybe you're out with a friend and you're having a great time, savour the experience. Try to anchor it. Create a, a picture so that if you were to come into a coaching session with me the next day, you could describe it fully. What was happening in the room or in the area that you were? What were the smells? What were the sounds? What was it? that made you feel that wonderful bubble of energy and joy inside and savour those moments. If you can, include them in your journal at the end of the day. Build up this bank of things that really make you feel good right inside. And of course, the idea of using your character strengths. I've mentioned before the VIA character strengths assessment. It's a free assessment. Look at what your top five to seven are. Are you using them on a daily basis? When we find a way to recruit those strengths into everyday activities, we will find that we get more satisfaction, more enjoyment, we feel more competent, more in charge of what we're doing because we're leaning into those strengths and we're taking time to really use them for our benefit and, of course, the benefit of others. And one of the things that we need to improve if we're going to have a more positive and possible outlook is using tools like that to improve your self-concept or how you view yourself. Quite often, I'll talk to people who have a very negative self-concept and it's a tricky line because I'm not a therapist or a counsellor, not a psychologist, I'm only a coach, but sometimes it's just a habit we've got into and all we need is a, a coach to ask the right questions and help you to see the good stuff again. And that might be enough. But if you find that you're constantly talking yourself down, you're not taking action, you don't think it's going to make a difference, you might find that it's your self-concept that needs a wee bit of support. And the positive psychology tools that I've mentioned here, and I'll include links to in the show notes, are things that you can do yourself. They're not things that you need to have a therapist around for. But speaking of positive psychology and psychologists who are worthy of note, I want to mention Barbara Fredrickson. She designed this idea called the Broaden and Build model. It's very much what we were talking about, looking at your strengths, but it's based on the idea that positive experiences and emotions 
have a long-term benefit. It's not just about feeling good in the moment, but longer term, having more positive emotions throughout the day will encourage your long-term self-awareness and encourage you to try new things, to think new thoughts, to accept more variety. It's closer to that idea of resilience. So the more positive experiences and emotions we can feel every day, the more likely we are to have long-term positive experiences, feel more open to trying new things, which in turn will give us more positive feedback. And why would you want to include things that make you feel positive? There's data that suggests it encourages higher levels of creativity and by that creative problem solving, not necessarily being Michelangelo, it can encourage more flexibility in thinking. And although people think of black and white rigid thinking in the context of autistic spectrum, it's also something that occurs in ADHD. But if you're feeling like your thinking is very black and white, it's quite rigid, you have this very stuck frame of mind, actually doing positive things increases your flexibility. Think of it like learning to do a daily stretching routine. It might not make a huge difference in that day, but if you do it every day for three to four months, by the end of six months, you're going to be incredibly flexible and feel so much better, but you won't notice it all in day one. And of course, the other impact of positive emotion is that it allows us to connect with other people. Isolation is a very negative thing for human beings. Yes, we can enjoy being on our own. We can enjoy our own company and lots of us are very independent. But actually being connected with other people who like us, who trust us, who respect us can build positive self-regard and it can encourage you to make connections. And when we're connected, we're generally happier humans. Is why group coaching can be so powerful because positive feedback and positive experiences shared in the group can allow other people to think, I would quite enjoy that. That sounds good. You might also be able to give positive feedback to somebody in a group and say, well done, that was really great. I know how hard that is for you. And that lifting each other up can be something that improves your positive emotional state but it also allows you to feel more safe to connect with other people. Because let's face it, with ADHD, quite often we have challenges around our social skills and relationships. Not because in and of itself it creates a barrier, a separation, a lack of empathy, but because quite often our brains are jumping so far ahead or we're distracted by an inner thought or a, literally a squirrel rather than what our friend or our neighbour is saying and over time we get a message that socially we're not quite hitting the mark. So when we're able to bring positive emotion into a group or when a group shares a positive emotion with us and gives us some feedback, it allows that, I think of it like a shell, it allows that shell just to crack a little bit and the inner you, which I believe is joyful and, and loves good feelings and positive emotions, but feels unsafe to share them. It allows that you just to come out a little bit more. So there are lots of reasons why positive emotions and focusing on it is really important. There's data for these positive results and I'll include them in the show notes, but it's evidenced that the more we can encourage ourselves to experience and record positive emotions, the better we feel. And the better we feel, the more of them we experience. So it's a wonderful circle. And if you're feeling stuck, if you feel that 
you can't experience positive emotions. Obviously, you need to rule out things like clinical depression and those need to be assessed by a doctor. But it might be you're just not giving yourself permission to experience those positive things because you don't see the point of them. And this information is showing you there is a point. There is a really important reason to focus on this. One of the ways that you can develop more positive emotion is to work on your emotional intelligence. And this is a specific set of concepts that were developed by the psychologists Peter Solovey and John Mayer in the 1990s. And it refers to the ability to recognise, understand, manage and use your own emotions positively to help relieve your stress, to communicate better and more effectively with other people, to overcome any challenges in your life, to share, to have some empathy with others. It's generally not a problem for people with ADHD. And also to resolve conflict. And Daniel Goleman wrote the book which everybody talks about with emotional intelligence. And in this book, Goleman says, emotional intelligence is more important than academic intelligence. And I think certainly with the advent of AI, it's pretty much a given that you can find out almost any piece of information available. How you use it and think about it and how you think about yourself and other humans is going to become more difficult, is going to become more important as we go forward using artificial intelligence and computers in our workplaces. The thing is, with ADHD, you can already tell that there are some areas of emotional intelligence that we're more likely to struggle with. Things like mastering our impulsivity and diffusing conflict, our social interactions and our emotional regulation. These executive functions are things we may find more of a challenge. I don't include empathy in that because most of the people I've met with ADHD are very empathetic and many of us are extremely aware of our emotions and other people's emotions. But there are strategies from emotional intelligence that we can use to improve our self-awareness, our regulation and to connect with other people. So there are five main elements in emotional intelligence and the first one is self-awareness. And obviously we can be self-aware but we can also be very unaware of things that trigger our emotional dysregulation, of the impact of our behaviour on other people or of the impact and our inability to prevent it. So when we work on emotional intelligence, we can increase both our self-awareness, recognition of our emotional triggers, but we can also improve how we respond to things rather than just reacting. And when those things come together, we're more likely to have some self-acceptance and understanding. And those two things are crucial being able to live a really good life with ADHD. The second element of emotional intelligence is self-regulation. And we've already talked today about impulsivity. Last week we were talking about myths and misinformation and how our impulsivity often leads us to jump on these quick fix ideas. But impulsivity and self-regulation can be improved. The third aspect of emotional intelligence that can help with ADHD is motivation. Understanding what motivates us how to motivate ourselves, what the impact of motivation is. And it's something that we can struggle with, especially if we've had a lot of negative feedback, we're struggling to finish things, we can become demotivated. Demotivation, I think, is one of those great big energy sponges that just sucks the joy out of the day. Being aware of how to motivate yourself, what motivates you, 
building that into your toolkit is really important. The fourth element of emotional intelligence is empathy. This is one that I think is more likely to be a strength for many people with ADHD. The weakness we may have is that we are too empathetic and our boundaries can be weak. We may find that we are overwhelmed by the emotions of others and then we become flooded with too much emotional feedback. Understanding where empathy should be, it's healthy for you to be and that might be different for you than it is for me. Recognizing your empathy as a strength and putting a boundary in place for it is another part of emotional intelligence. And the last part of emotional intelligence, number five, is social skills. Generally, social skills, we could all brush up on them, right? It's something that, especially over the last few years, many of us have let go a little bit because we're hiding. We're in our safe space. We're at home. We are generally much more comfortable and able to do what we like when we're at home. And some of the social skills might be a challenge for us to re-engage with. But emotional intelligence says that social skills are crucial. And so does Dr. Kathleen Doe, who is one of my heroes. And the thing is that there is research showing personality traits are not fixed. You might see yourself as somebody who cannot change. You might feel that things are impossible. You can change and there's really good techniques out there. It takes a little bit of time, maybe more than you're expecting. You might need more support than you're expecting, but you can change if any of these areas feel like a particular challenge for you. And there are programs and therapies which focus on emotional intelligence development. Some of them are mindfulness-based interventions. Some of them are CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy interventions. Improving our emotional intelligence with ADHD can really change how you cope with emotional dysregulation, with stress, and allows you to focus more on these positive emotions that, as I said before, help you to rise up in this wonderful circle. How do you apply that emotional intelligence to ADHD today if you can't enroll in something? Thinking of number one, self-awareness, journaling. And journaling doesn't have to mean writing. It can mean recording your thoughts as you speak them aloud. If you're a verbal processor, that's a very powerful way to do it. Journaling allows us to improve our self-awareness. You might want to use a note or an app to track your emotions and responses to things throughout the day. You might notice that your ADHD is affecting how you feel emotionally or vice versa. In improving your self-regulation, things like Mindfulness, obviously, breathing practices, of course, physical exercise, they all help us to manage impulsivity and our emotional spikes, that dysregulation, which we're more likely to experience. In terms of motivation, this one is very personal, but sometimes we need to think about the low-hanging fruit and really celebrate the heck out of it. I'm keeping it very PG here. You might want to achieve a really huge massive stretch goal but if you try to jump to the end of the line before you've been able to do the daily thing consistently it's going to be really difficult. Learning how good you are at the small thing that gets you along that path is going to give you more motivation when you acknowledge it, when you anchor it, when you celebrate it, when you share it with other people. Because with ADHD, we quite often have a low frustration tolerance. If things are hard, we're just going to give up. 
it's more common in ADHD. It's partly to do with seeing the destination, not being able to visualize and experience the tiny steps that get you there. And if there's any barrier, if we jump too many steps and get stuck, we can really quickly get frustrated and just give up. Learn how to celebrate the low-hanging fruit. Make it a big deal. There are ways to improve your empathy. Empathy is something that often comes naturally. If it's not with other people, we can experience empathy for things like dogs and cats. So if you're somebody who feels it easier to be empathetic about a dog suffering, you might want to spend a bit of time doing perspective, taking exercises and thinking about how other people are experiencing the same situation. But again, be aware of your boundaries and if you're prone to being emotionally flooded by the pain of other people, don't spend too much time on that. Instead, look at how can I set a boundary for myself so that I'm not kind of dragged down by the discomfort of other people. Emotional intelligence gives us a really good framework to think about how we can focus on building positive emotions, how we can improve our experience of daily life with ADHD. But it's something that takes time. It's not something we're going to be able to do overnight. And that can be difficult if you're working in isolation or you're not making it external so you don't feel or see any difference. You're not able to track the out every single day. That makes a difference. And while we're talking about emotional intelligence, I want to introduce an idea that I am developing and mentioned first at the Chad conference in December, which is about emotional acuity resonance. Yes, it makes a very nice acronym, EAR, E-A-R, but I wanted to offer it as a, an addition to the idea of rejection sensitivity or deficient emotional self-regulation, because I think there are some people with ADHD who really do have great insight and awareness of other people's emotions and when it's developed carefully with boundaries and self-awareness and all these other things, it can become a strength. And obviously, emotional acuity resonance means that we are aware of the emotions of others and we have insight into them. It means that we assess them, understand them, interpret them accurately. And that's something is more difficult if you're feeling dysregulated, but you're able to tune in and understand the perspective, the emotional experience of other people. And resonance means that we can tune into it. And when you're able to connect with somebody on an emotional level, you're able to do remarkable things. And that doesn't have to be in a therapy setting. If you're in a classroom, if you are in an office, if you are developing a product or a service, if you're studying at university, any of these circumstances where we are required to connect with other people and understand their perspective and their emotions, we can use this emotional acuity resonance to tune in and to identify what is motivating people here. And I think when we're in a time where division seems to be absolutely rife and it feels like we're being divided and pitted against one another. This insight, this ability could be something that people with ADHD use to bring our society back together, to allow people to communicate, but to improve the lives of many people, as well as from a kind of commercial point of view, it can be useful in things like marketing and sales and research and product development. 
So again, if you're an employer, if you have somebody with ADHD and they have this awareness, this insight, this might be what you are noticing in them. And if you're in a workplace and you have this, you might find that you're already using it. Uh, You might be in HR, but you might also be in things like understanding markets and what people want, what customers need, customer relations. It can be a real strength. Obviously, all the things I just talked about with emotional intelligence are useful in developing this emotional acuity and resonance. Things like journaling, self-awareness, thinking about how am I feeling, what's impacting my emotions, developing that awareness and almost that acceptance and separation so that you're not in the middle of the storm. You're able to look at it from a helicopter's point of view and say, oh, I see what set that off. When you can do that for yourself, you're going to be more able to do it for other people, whether that's in your family, your workplace or your school. And so I think finishing up our look at positive emotions and the role of our incredible gift to be able to be aware of emotions, to develop our accuracy and understanding emotions and then to use the tools that you might be working on just now in your own personal life to support others to bring people together is a real strength in ADHD. When we have a passion we really go for it and I'm thinking of ADHD people who have set up charities who are creating social change who are fighting for people that maybe don't have access to assessments to medication They range from small individual groups in local areas all the way up to big groups like Chad and Ada. These are grassroots groups set up by people who have ADHD, who recognise the challenges and who bring that empathy into action. That is the power of positive emotion in action with ADHD. And I just want to finish with a quote from my mentor and coach Jay Perry who says that coaching is love and wonder that leads to effective action and love and wonder are two of the most powerful emotions that you can experience and I would invite you to think how can I experience them on a daily basis? What attitude do I need to feel wonder when I look at things around me and cultivate that as much as you can and you'll really quickly start to experience the exponential growth of what is possible and what is positive on a daily basis. I hope that this little look at positive emotions has been helpful for you. I'm developing a toolkit which I'm going to share with you next week all about how to manage emotions, how to regulate your emotions, how to focus on the positive ones and how to make that visible for you. I'm going to share it with you. I want people to use it and let me know what more do you need? What is it changing for you? You can do it now with a notebook. You don't need to wait. You can start journaling, you can start breathing, you can start walking and exercising, you can start recording these bursts of joy on a daily basis, these things you're grateful for. And it can be, you know, one of my clients called it the Maria list, this idea of sun roses and whiskers on kittens. Record things that spark that joy for you and just see what happens on it. Just see what happens when we're focusing on those moments of joy. I really hope this was helpful and got you thinking about ADHD and emotions in a different way. Let me know what you're going to take forward. What new insight did you get from today's show? Please email in. I love to hear from you. Share the episode if you want other people who are maybe feeling a bit stuck, a bit downhearted, who maybe don't believe that things can change or that thinking about things in a 
more possible light uh, is helpful for their physical and mental health. And I'll be back next week to round up our look at ADHD and emotions with a collection of the most powerful and easy to implement tools you can use on a day-to-day basis. Thank you again for listening to ADHD Powerful Possibilities. I'm ADHD Coach Catherine and I'm so grateful that you are here today. Until next time, take care.